Hello, 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 and welcome again to WDGS 333 on your podcast station. Today, 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 oh my, oh my, oh my, isn't it beautiful to be able to wake up another day, see a new day, new mercies, new choices, even sometimes new people, new thoughts, new ideas, new refreshing. Oh God, we thank you for this day. This is your girl Frida and thank you again. I am your host here to bring you the most of What Did God Say Ministry on WDGS Today, Today, Today. Today, 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 I want to use a two words, two word phrase that may seem short and insignificant, but oh my, oh my, oh my, how powerful it is to be able to understand the power of these two words. How many of you know that there is power in words? The Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Well, what do we use the tongue for? We use the tongue to formulate every word that proceeded out of our mouths. And the Bible also says, by our words, we are justified, and by our words, we are condemned. The Bible also says we are snared, oh my God, by the words of our mouth. So how many of you know how important it is to mind your mouth as you mind your manners? But these two words, they rang a bell in me this morning because something that crossed my eyes. I saw on Facebook this morning, I saw a, a, a article about a young lady, 26 years old. She had three children, according to the article, and she drove her car to a bridge that has, you know, one of those kind of sidewalks on the side where you can walk. And as she pulled her car over, she got onto the ledge of the sidewalk and she commenced to prematurely release her life by jumping off. Oh God, we pray for those babies as well as her soul. But what that article did, it reminded me of a time and a place in my life. Back in the early 80s, you know, around 82, 83. And um, I remember waking up with a lot of heavy burdens that had been moving up and down in my mind, in my body, and in my spirit. How many of you know that generally when a person reaches the suicidal premature death stage, it then just happened abruptly? Generally, there are things that leads up to that decision. And oftentimes, if we don't address the things that lead up to that type of tragic decision, 
We can easily make that decision in a moment's notice. But in the moment notice of making that decision is not because there was a condition, situations, or circumstances that had a prelude to get to that place. And that's what I want to mention about myself today. I want to share a little bit of my testimony because what this young lady chose to do at age 26, I contemplated it at age 26. 22. Oh, God help me today. I was moving into the age of 23. And I didn't have, I had three small children and as well as she. But only two of them was in my custodial custody of raising. And so because of the decision, I didn't choose, I made a conscious choice not to have an abortion with one of the children, but I made an also conscious choice to relinquish someone else to raise that child. And I share with you why. Because of the damage that I received in the conception. Now, I want to share with you, it took me a long, long, long time to be able to even discuss what I'm sharing today. But see, you know what? I came to realize, oh God, I thank you, that the damage of avoiding a topic, oh God, help me, a situation or a subject don't make it go away. Well, I hope somebody got that. Just because you don't want to hear about it, just because you don't want to talk about it, just because you don't want somebody else to say something, does not mean it's not moving around in your head. And see, this is where I was. Out of a fear, I didn't want to talk about it. Out of a shame, not even of my own doing, I didn't want to talk about it. So I thought if I avoided the topic and the circumstances of the situation, of what somebody had forcefully done to hurt me, to wound me, like a hurt I never experienced before. Nobody knows. That's why I said we can't measure hurt and I pain. What hurt you may not hurt me. And what hurt me may not hurt you. Oh, I hope somebody get this. It's a sad person who have convinced their mind that you can measure my pain. It's a sad person who have convinced their mind that you can measure another person's pain or another person's level of love. If I ever hear people say things like, well, I love them more than. Who told you that but your own mindset? You cannot measure the level of love somebody else have in their heart. You know, I I, I, I ponder things when people say things like that. Because who made you God? Oh, God, help me today. Only the word of God says God looks at the heart. So if only God can see our hearts, how can we definitely say somebody else's heart loves another person less than theirs? Oh, God, help me today. See, this is where I come in on the reality real check. I just like to keep it real. 
so somebody can heal. It's so many people that have been trapped in the ego and the pride of their own mind that they can convince themselves of things that they don't have the ability to do. You cannot have the ability to literally say that another person loves somebody more than the other person. All love is not spoken. And believe it or not, all love from a heart is not even shown. Oh God, I ask you to help me today. I know love is an action word. And I heard somebody recently say that love is what love does. But I can't sit in the judgment seat to agree or disagree. I can only say what the word of God says. See, I can't measure what somebody feel on the inside because how they act on the outside. And the reason I say that because so many people have confessed Oh, I hope somebody get this. So many people have confessed with their mouth that they love somebody. But yet they have turned around if that person hurt them. And they have spoke words of hate. See, but I'm inclined to believe according to 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter. When you love somebody, even if they mistreat you, you won't stop loving them. That when you love somebody, see, now that may be the action that you show. When you say you love somebody, you don't seek your own way. When you, this caught in the first Corinthians 13, when you say you love somebody, you don't seek your own selfish way. Oh, God, help me today. When you say you love somebody, the Bible said love is patient and love is kind. So if they done made you angry and you want to say all manner of evil against them, then I got to question the action of the word you use to say love. See, so many times we think love is what a person do for us. But many occasions, you will learn the true essence of love is what a person won't do. Oh, God, help me today. The real essence of love, I hope somebody get this, is what a person won't do. If you say you love, then you won't hurt. You won't harm. You won't lie. You won't be jealous. You won't be envy. You won't mistreat somebody. You won't do them wrong. You won't be nasty. You won't be dirty. You won't be low down. Dirty shame in what you say and even how you think. And that's what's lead to what you do. So oftentimes I believe love is not so much as what a person do to try to show us they love us. But oftentimes I believe love is what a person won't do to show us. Oh, God, help me today. But I got to stay on topic because you know me. That's a whole nother teaching. But I want to get back to my testimony real quick. You know, I, I, I woke up one day and because of the overwhelming things that people were saying against me, and I know they didn't know the real truth and the real deal. See, I know I was held hostage. I know I was locked in a place against my free will, and I had no ability to get out and go freely as I choose. I know I was overpowered and overtaken in strength. 
by an individual. Not only an individual that was a man stronger than me, but a man that was even related to me. And I know in my own self that I never desired, wanted, or even needed such a hindrance, ugly, stinking, foul act to happen to me. This was not solicited, nor was it invited. But you know, but you know, the first thing people like to say, especially if you're not a virgin, that you must have free will chose to allow what happened to you to happen. Now, see, that bothered me as a teenager because I was a teenager. And this person was 33 years old. And I thought in my mind, how could these grown-ups who I felt supposed to love me. And that's why I go back to love is sometimes what you don't do. They didn't do anything to try to help me, protect me, or even embrace me after they knew the facts. So you know what that made me do? That made me spiral in a lot of areas of confusion. You know, starting from a person that carried me even in their womb. And this is not for no discredit. This is just a part of the testimony of the facts. You know, we love to run away from facts when we feel that people should not be displayed for their damaging behaviors. But then we don't mind displaying people if we feel that their behavior is impressive. It's to be... uh, appreciated is to be glamorized is to be acknowledged but what happens to the people in the world like this young girl and myself when people don't want to acknowledge the damage see we living in right now see this is the stuff I've been teaching we living in that right now today 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 in 2020 what happened to the young man Mr. Gordon Because the damage that script his life, the whole United States is in a transitional uproar. People are displaying their anger. But if I want to say one thing about somebody who damaged me, oh, then see, I'm out of order. But see, we got to stop hiding behind the facts. And the fact is, it's what the fact is. That's why I like to keep it real. When I did have an opportunity to escape from this person, I made it to the nearest payphone back then. And only person I could think to dial safely was my biological mother. And I'm going to tell you something. I wanted to dial 911, but I had been threatened. By the very person that victimized me. That if I contacted any police officers. Oh God help me today. And I'm telling you see how real this thing is now. They knew people. This is what they told me. Is people work in the police department. And it'll get back to me. And before they let me go to jail. And we know if this cousin. They black. Okay. They African-American. But now they were black. In the very meaning of the word. They said before we, before I go to jail, because so many people rely on me 
for the type of business I do, they will find you dead somewhere. So, okay, that's the first fear. I can't tell nobody. But I managed to escape one night. And I got to the payphone and I called my biological mother. I was screaming and crying. And I, and I didn't know how much time I had before I was apprehended. And so I remember crying out, saying, I, I, need, I need help. I need help. I need somebody to come and help me get away. I said, but I don't have nowhere to go. And I said, can I come and stay with you? Not that I wanted two people. Not that I wanted to. I promise you. I'm, and it's sad to have to say this fact. And this, again, is not to put nobody on front street. But it is to acknowledge. See, 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 we, 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 we got to stop wanting to acknowledge truth. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't give my testimony in anger. Hear me now. I don't give my testimony in bitterness. I give my testimony to enlighten. It's not to harm or hurt nobody. But it is to speak my truth that somebody may overcome. To know that when people have hurt you, when people have wounded you, and not just anybody. But people you feel are somebody who love you. I thought my cousin loved me. That's why he said, come stay with me. And I help you get a job. I thought my mother loved me. That no matter what I have done, because her words was, you can't come back and stay with me. I, 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 I'm not going to deal with your mouth. So see, my mouth barred me out of her house. It wasn't nothing wrong I did to her physically. It wasn't nothing I did to come against her. Because there were some things in my intellectual educational mindset I know could have tore her house down between her and the government if I would have made a phone call. But I ain't low down and dirty. So I didn't do none of them kind of things. All I did was spoke up and spoke out. Well, I know y'all probably can tell that now. So, you know, she let me know that. It's your mouth. She said, and, 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 and since you left my house, and I left her house freely, I did. She said, I, I, I'm not going to let you back in with your mouth. But at the same time, I'm standing there screaming and crying in distress on a payphone. She accepted the collect call because I ain't have no money. So I thank her for that. That she accepted the call. But I want to share with you. Before I could end the call. I was apprehended again by my relative. And they strung on me and threw me back in their car. Well in their car because I managed to run away. And they took me this time. They put that they place like folk knocks. It was harder to get out. I couldn't get out of window. I couldn't get out a door. It had those locks that you had to have a key. And I was left in there during the day. And a fire could have broke out. And it could have burned me to death. So I had all this stuff going on. And then that, that person, to make a long story short, ended up impregnating me. And I couldn't 
understand some of the things my grandmother used to say. She didn't believe in an abortion. She said that it is God who giveth life our freedom. It is God who giveth life. And I believe God should be the only person who removes our lives. So I was faced with a lot of decisions and dilemma, but I decided not to have the abortion. But then later on, because so much in between that time and and, and my attempt to commit suicide had been said, everywhere I went, my head was steady telling me, they talking about you. They saying things that are not true because they didn't know the truth. They didn't know what I suffered through day in and day out being held against my will being laid upon against my will and my want nobody knew my experience like I knew and how many times I cried but to come to a realization to believe that Once I was apprehended at that payphone, I was faced with a double hurt because I thought that the person, even though I know they didn't raise me, but I thought that because they carried me in their wound, that I mattered just a little bit. Just a little bit, I mattered. That they would not want this type of hurt to befall upon me. So I had to come to the realization of what it really felt like. Because see, my grandmother who raised me was deceased. So I had to come to a realization what it truly felt like to feel like a motherless child. And so many times, that's why I listen to people nowadays and they say certain things out of ignorance. If you knew your mother and your mother was a part of your historical testimony where you could testify about your mama rock you at night, you can testify your mama did do something. Yeah, she may not did all you wanted her to do, but you know her. And although she may have made choices and decisions in chastising you and teaching you and raising you, it's a whole nother feeling when you face with hurt, harm, and danger. You know, I always felt that if there's no other time that a mother's supposed to step up and step in, it's when you hear a cry of your child whose life is on the line. So I had to wrestle with that in my mind and then I had to wrestle with the decision to release an innocent child that I couldn't face because that child came out looking like a spitting image of the person that gave me the most damage. 
So now I got two other kids, though, that I'm raising. See, that's why I thought about this young lady on the bridge. We don't know what she had to go through in her mind that led her to that place and position. Nobody knows what I wrestle with every day trying to live a normal life. But I had a war battling in my mind every day for days and days and days. Because I felt a part of something that was carried in my womb was detached from me. And even in that choice, it hurt me. That's why I can't understand when people don't understand that a mother carries the emotions of her children in her womb, even after they deliver the baby. Oh, I hope somebody got that. Oh, I hope somebody got that. No matter what you want to say about your mama them, that's why we didn't talk about them. You, Ma used to say, keep living. Because whatever you go through, whether it be good or not so good, your mother will always, if she love you, let me add that word, if she love you, she going to carry your pain in her womb. Her emotions will never escape her. When her children are locked up, when her children are sick, when her children are making wrong choices, when her children day of birth is reminded, the mother going always, she might not be paying attention to the calendar. But you can best believe <laughs> she going in that time frame, remember, I had a baby around this time. It may be a day late. It may be even be a day early. But she'll remember. Because when you love your children, they may come out your womb as human beings. But the emotion of them will always be carried in your womb. That's a whole nother teaching. But let me get down to the raw of this message. What I want to say today. You know, when I committed, attempted to commit suicide, I woke up one day. It was a Saturday morning in the fall. It was in the fall. I know now it was 1982. Because the fall of 83, I had moved to a city where my dad lived. But it, uh, I woke up and I said, you know, I, I, I was worried so much in my mind. My brain was about to explode. So to release myself, I decided I'd take my life. And uh, I never had a lot of medicine in my house, and I still don't. But at the time, I had some pain pills, some prescription pain pills, because what a lot of people didn't know, I had been talking to my doctor about some of the things I was going through. My regular doctor, my gynecologist, actually, he wasn't even a psychiatrist. And so I took those pills, and I took enough of them that I knew I shouldn't wake up again. And um, 
But I sat there and I, and I contemplated. How many of you know that when a person reaches a suicidal place, they don't gave some thought to it. It don't happen abruptly. They've given some thought to it. So I had thought about it. But one thing I didn't want to do, I didn't want to leave the two little babies I was raising. I didn't, I didn't want to leave their memory tarnished with what I know they do. This is a reality. When I was nine, I know when my great-grandmama passed away, if you die in your house, then the ambulance, not the ambulance, but the hearse come. If you, you, you know, back then, the hearse would just take you and they put a white sheet over you and they put you in the car. So either way it went, if I had to go by ambulance, because I probably would have back then because they took me to the hospital to do an autopsy. Either way, they was going to pronounce me dead in my apartment and have a long white sheet over my body and probably have my children somewhere close by that they could see this. And I didn't want to scar their memory with such a tragedy. So I, I, I told at the time my oldest son, I said, you know, he was real school on when, when I lock this door, don't you let nobody in. And so I didn't know how long I might be passed out from what I planned to do. So I made sure he understood that I meant one time I whooped him. So I just wanted to brand in his mind, whatever you do, don't you never open this door. Because I always knew if somebody kicked the door in, then everybody's chances inside the house would be further investigated. But if you open the door freely, then that's an invited person. The chances of finding the assailant is always harder because you never know people let in. But if they kick the door in and you don't open it, then I knew somebody would have to investigate whatever happens. So I wanted my oldest son to get that, and he had it. So I left home. I said, I'm going to the store. It was a store near us. I lived in a little town called America's Georgia. And and um, and out where I lived, it was on the outskirts of the city limit in a, on a place called Buena Vista Highway going toward Columbus, Georgia. So I woke up and I, I, I told him I was going to the store, which was on Buena Vista Highway, and so was the apartments. And I took off running. I put on jogging clothes. And I said, if I run and my adrenaline start pumping faster, this is my thoughts now, premeditated, then I probably would pass out and die quicker because my heart rate would increase. And I took the pills and I left home. And as I was running, I did collapse. Everything was going according to plan. The next thing I knew, I woke up in Sumter County Hospital. And they were pumping my stomach. My God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And, um, you know, when I look back over my life now, and I reflect upon different choices I made, how the enemy, nothing but the devil, will consume your thoughts. This is why I have to stay in the Word of God, people. Because if you don't stay in the Word of God, 
to keep your mind strengthened, the enemy will overtake it. Oh, I hope somebody get this. And although I would read my Bible, but then I was studying Islam. And I just felt the detachment even spiritually. Because I felt, okay, Jesus ain't my savior no more. Because Islam was teaching me Jesus is not the savior. Allah is. Which in retrospect, God is ultimately. But then I felt I didn't have no advocate. Oh, I hope somebody got that. So I had to do some things that wrestled in my reasoning logic. Now, remember, I'm 22 years old. I'm coming out from up under a lot of stress at 22. I was handling things that people now at 52 can't handle. Oh, God, I hope somebody got that. I was handling things and I haven't had the experience of life that I have now at 22. I hope somebody get this. So when I saw myself pumped and, 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 and I was in and out of consciousness, and when I became more consciously aware, they had me on what's called the sixth floor in something kind of hospital, and my daddy was sitting on the side of my bed. And my aunties, my daddy, two sisters, and my stepmother, and all my stepbrothers. And my dad, I remember the first thing he said to me was these words. He said, promise me that you will never let nothing in life make you feel that life is not worth living. He said, Alfreda, ain't nothing in this world that's a problem that there's not a solution to solve it. We could solve the problem. Promise me you will never attempt to do nothing like this again. And I made him a promise laying there on a bed when he could have been sitting over me, looking at me dead and deceased. There was a lady they told me, well, they told my dad, and my dad told me, and I think the lady later, she came to my room, but I was just a little drowsy. She was a very wealthy and rich, rich Caucasian. And she was driving, they said, a Jaguar. And she happened to be traveling down Buena Vista Highway. At the time, she saw me laying in the grass. Surprisingly, she had to pay attention because the grass was kind of high. I remember collapsing and it covering my face. I didn't have on a whole lot of bright colors either. Listen to the testimony, y'all. But that lady pulled over, saw me a human life. And she had one of those bag phones back then in her car. How many people know the chances of a person with a mobile phone in their car? And how the compassion of her, she could have said, well, that's just another dead Negro and kept driving, but she didn't. Now I want to give you the scripture for today. Ephesians chapter (laughs) 2, my God, and verse 4. 
But before I give you the scripture, I want to give you them two words I started out saying. Two powerful words. But God. But God, people. But God. Through it all, but God. This is why I praise him the way I do. This is why I acknowledge him in my ways. This is why I talk the talk because I have walked the walk. See, I'm not one of them people that come before your ears that's talking to you from a place of speculation. I've been through some things on my journey, some things that even my children, they learning about as you learn about. And I, and I, and I didn't share it with them growing up because I knew they was not mature enough to handle it without, the, if it damaged me, why would I tell them stuff that'll damage them? Because can't no children sit up on a, a mama being hurt and wounded. It probably ain't easy for them not, but they are mature enough to know how to filter stuff now. And it still may don't sit well with them, but imagine me trying to tell them this kind of stuff when they were little kids. And make them grow up through their whole life with this information seared in their mind. Oh, God, help me today. I come to them now because I spiral what I'm sharing as a testimony to enlighten and encourage somebody that no matter what people are saying about you, no matter how many people you feel love you have came against you and said all manner of evil, no matter how many people have put you down when you've gone through round after round. That's why people don't know when they see me and they say, oh, she done fell again. Oh, honey, this stuff easy now. Oh, ain't nothing hard no more. Because God gave me testimonies that let me go back in my own mind and say, well, if I brought you through that, I'm a but God. I can bring you through this. This little stuff. Now, that's why it's called, I say to people, it's petty. It's real petty. Compared to somebody, don't, you you being held hostage to, to harm you and then threaten you. You can't even go to the popo. And then to be rejected by the person who carried you in a womb. Let me tell y'all something. Some of this stuff y'all go through. Yeah, y'all might think I'm hard. Y'all might think I'm tough. But that's because comparison to my own memory or my own damaging wound is petty. It's some simple choices you can change. See, I was faced with choices that I didn't have a free will. So all I could rely on was God's will. And that's what I did. I prayed and I asked God to deliver me out of this situation. I said, Lord, let your will be done. And the day that I prayed that prayer, I want y'all to hear me now. All of a sudden, a phone call came. And it was him. And he said to me, some man was going to give me a call named Marvin. And I said, my uncle. He said, no, nigga. I'm quote unquote it. He said, another nigga named Marvin. But when they call, you just tell them to hold on. Now, my analytical mind, even back then as a teenager, was like, we're coming through the traffic of a metropolitan city. Holding on might be 10 minutes, 5 minutes, an hour. And that was my response. See, I was had a quick mouth with a quick thought. 
They said, nigga, just do what I said. Tell him to hold on. So I said, okay. And they hung up. Well, about an hour later, the phone rang. But instead of being the person that they said it would be, it was the paramedics. I'm talking about the same day. Now I'm in two hours after I prayed. And I said, God, if this be of my will, of being a disobedient child of my grandmother, I said, Lord, I prayed the wages of sin you say is death. If these sins be upon me, let your will be done. If these sins be upon him, let your let your will be done. That's why I tell people, you always got choices of your free will, a forced will, or God's will. Now, his will had been forced upon me repeatedly. I ain't have no ability in my free will to overpower their will. Except to kill myself. But I didn't want to die. I didn't want to commit suicide back then. I was scared. But later, I did. Because I was just overwhelmed with stuff. But the long and short of this testimony is this. I asked God will to be done. And when the paramedics called, they asked me, did I know the person? They told me the person's name. I said, yes, sir, I do. They said, well, they fell at somebody's house and they're convulsing out of the mouth. And we're getting ready to take them to, they told me the hospital they was taking them. They said, and and are you related? And I said, yes, sir, I am. It sounded like a Caucasian paramedics. And they said, I will advise you from the way things look to contact all the immediate family immediately. Excuse me. So I did. I contacted that person's sister, told the sister what the paramedic said. And this is where I got even more perplexed. The sister said, well, what you going to do? You going to meet us down now? And I said... I'm locked in this house and I can't get out. And so the sister had to come and unlock the house to let me out. Thank God it wasn't no fire. I'd have been probably burnt up in there unless I could call 911 to get there in time. I couldn't get out no wonder, y'all. I couldn't run out no door. True story. And even after all of that, None of those grown-ups, they never came back to me. They never said, I'm so sorry for what you went through. You know, I believe, I believe if it happened to their daughter, their granddaughters, they might be sitting behind prayers and walls. But since it happened to me, you know, maybe I didn't matter enough for people to apologize or have compassion or sympathy or empathy. And but I learned that but God gave me strength how to live past needing people to apologize, needing people to tell me they was wrong, needing people to embrace me even though they wrong. I, I learned how to be strengthened by a but God that I don't need that anymore. But see, 
when you're 22, your mind tells you you need these people to help you by being right to you and by you. Now you can understand a little bit more when I say I'm not impressed with people. Because all the people back in my time in that era that I was impressed with, they, they, they didn't come and offer anything. Only two people back then. And both of them, one was my age and the other one was three years older. And that was my youngest auntie. But what could they do? We, we sat around and talked, but what could they, all of us was young. We couldn't, we didn't know what kind of moves to make, but all the older head people. And that's why I had to learn to live with what I talk about. Tune in to that part that, um, that workshop this past Wednesday on Facebook page, WDGS333. Everybody choices. See, they made choices. And I learned how not to be mad with people about their choices. But for a lot of years, I was damaged by other people's choices. That's why I'm not impressed with people. Because whatever choices people choose to make, whether they be good or not so good, they got the answer to the consequences. I learned that a long time ago. But I didn't learn how to embrace it. It took a long time. Then I stopped falling out with people about what they choose to do or don't do. Amen. Amen. Let me read this scripture and bring this podcast to a close today. I'm going to start at chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 1. And you, he made a lie. You, pun at yourself. You, God made you alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We all is guilty of that. Everybody help. Trespass done wrong to somebody now. We we ain't been perfect people. Let's let's now use that quote. We have not been perfect people. Y'all know how y'all like to say everybody not perfect. Okay. So since everybody's not perfect, that means you have mistreated somebody. So your trespasses, that right there, <laughs> is that right there. And then it said, in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's how the enemy tricks us. Every time we operate in things to be disobedient to the word of God, we are being used by the enemy. And sometimes it's forced upon us and sometimes it's free will. And it goes on at verse three. It says, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Well, I had already done that. So that's how I made peace with people. Okay, so they judged me because of I had already fulfilled the lust of my flesh. Okay, I wasn't no virgin, but still I didn't want what happened to me to happen to me. But because I had already been sinful, 
I had already fulfilled lust in my flesh. See, that's how you get out for blaming people, people. We got to be held accountable and take responsibility for the disobedient acts that we participate in doing. Yeah, I didn't participate in that one, but I had already participated in some other ones. And for that cause, I learned how to forgive those who did me wrong. Oh, God, help me today. So it goes on to say at verse four, it say, but God, oh, God, help me today. That's the beginning of a sentence. It say, but God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, God, help me today. You know what it feel like to be rich? That means you got an unlimited supply of, of, of never having a need. You stay rich. You be rich if you stay rich. So the Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy, tender. Oh, God, help me today. Of his grace. Oh, I don't highlight it. I can't understand what that word say. Who is rich in mercy. And I know of his great love in which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. I hope y'all got that. But God, who is tender in mercy and of his great love. See, it was but God that saved me. It was a but God that had that lady to drive down that road. The person with the right heart, the angelic person, the person that just so happened to have a phone in her car, a person where time was of an essence, got me to the hospital in time and called the ambulance for them to get there and take me and then but God allowed them to pump my stomach but God allowed me to live even though I was a trespasser unperfect person in sin but God so because of a but God people this is why I can talk the way I talk This is why I think the way I think. Because when nobody around me, my mama, my daddy, my sister, my brother, I know my daddy showed me love, but he won't there. When nobody there that I knew but God. Oh, God, I hope somebody got that. There was nobody when I fell and collapsed on the side in that grass with my body prostrated. I could have laid there and died and the buzzers ate me. It was a but God, but God, who kept Alfreda alive. So when I when I say I glorify God in the full essence of everything in me, yes, people are in this world. But it wasn't them people in this world that some folk like to boost and brag and glorify. They didn't save me. It was a but God that did it. So I I, I give not God credit. Oh God, help me today. To no human on two feet. It was a but God. Because see, the human on two feet can't do that. They can't do no more than that's instrumental. The lady didn't save me. The lady was instrumental in me being saved. Oh, I hope somebody get this. See, people, people can't save us. They are only instrumental in guiding us 
to the but God that saves us. Oh, I hope somebody got that. That's why I don't get it twisted. It was but God who is rich in mercy. His great love with which he loved us. Not just me, people. If you still alive and you've ever had and contemplated suicide or thoughts, it's a but God that stepped in your head. Thank that but God. Thank that but God. If you find yourself in a situation where you were caught up in the midst of the madness, even on a nightclub with a drink, even sometimes riding and rolling with people with weapons, whatever state you found yourself that you know somebody else in the same state didn't make it out. It was a but God tender mercy that saved you. And that's why you ought to glorify him without any hesitations or any shame. Because if you got a but God testimony, then it's a but God. Nobody else but God. I just want to say that and I want to share with you real quick the definition of but. Let me see my time I got. But the word but is that what has already been mentioned. The definition of the word but is several definitions. I'm going to give you five. That was one. Number one, what has already been mentioned. So what I'm talking about today, it might be new to many, many ears, but it's some ears that do know this testimony. They were grown people back then, so they know. They know. So this ain't nothing new. So but... But, but this has already been mentioned. So, but also means to indicate the impossibility of anything other than what is stated. See, some things we go through, people, we may feel that it's impossible. But somebody said that I wouldn't make it. Somebody said that I wouldn't be here today. But it's a but God who made it. The impossibility of what they said possible. Oh, God, help me today. But also means used to introduce. It is used to introduce a response expressing a feeling, a surprise, or even anger. The next definition, the fourth one, but is used after an expression of what one is about to say, even an apology. And the last definition of but, it is used as an adverb to mean no more than, only. That's God right there. No more than, only, but God. Oh, I hope somebody got that. No more than, only, but God. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, I am here to encourage you today that a but God, he can change every situation, every circumstance. He can heal a broken heart. He can mend you where you can forgive those who wrongfully persecuted you and say all manner of evil against you. A but God can make you even extend and give to the very people that ain't tried to give you a dollar. He can make you give them a dollar. It's a but God 
who will let you see that I can't hold nothing against nobody because if God forgave me of my sins and my trespasses, I got to say that I serve him by obeying his word when he said forgive others their trespasses as you want me to forgive you. Oh, God, help me today. I don't want to be no hypocrite to a but God because, see, he kept me alive. And I'm so grateful. And I'm so thankful. And I send out again the prayers of sympathy and condolences. Although I don't know this young lady's family, but I send out sympathy prayers and condolences. Because I'm sure they're left grieving and stricken with the question mark, what could I have done to save my daughter? And I know I can't imagine how those little children will someday grow up and come to a deeper realization of I am a motherless child. So I sit here today with all gratitude to the God that I serve, with thanksgiving for his mercy and his love that a good God kept me alive. Thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this podcast today. And I encourage you that don't take this testimony in a negative way. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, because I'm healed. I'm free. I'm liberated. I'm no longer bound by the pains of my past. And I thank a good God who kept me alive. I no longer harbor any bitterness against nobody who did anything. I no longer, I no longer, so if I no longer, you should no longer. A but God, tender mercies can heal you. A but God, tender mercies and love can deliver you and set you free. And until the next WDGS 333 on your podcast station. Trust a but God. Remember, that was Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Pray for the but God to keep you alive and make good sound choices and decisions. It's a beautiful thing to live and breathe and enjoy the fruits of our labor. I love all of my children equally, but yet I engage with them diversely because they carry different spirits and different personalities. But equally, my love does not sit on a measuring scale. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a beautiful blessed day in the Lord. And may the blessings from heaven flow, flow, flow down into your life. Meet all of your needs. Everything you need to and, and, and even your wants as you delight yourself in the Lord and he grants you the desires of your choices in your heart as you delight in him. And may you continue to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prosper. And remember above everything, choices, when you have the ability to free will choose, make the right choice. And know that whatever you're facing today, whatever you're facing today does not define your future. Amen.
Stay alive. Be blessed.